Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and this morning service of worship. It's a joy to be with you all today. A couple of things that will help us be in this space together. If you are visiting with us, I'd like to extend a special welcome to you this morning. And if you'd like to have an extra greeting this morning, please make your way to the atrium counter after worship where there are free gift bags with homemade cookies in them. So if you're visiting, you won't want to miss that. Additionally, we'd like to welcome all of you who are joining us by means of the radio or the live stream. Though you're not physically present with us here, we are enjoying worshiping with you in spirit this morning. If you will locate the visitor friendship pad at the end of your row, that's for everybody here in the sanctuary this morning. If you'll sign your name there, that's a way that we get to know one another and greet each other by name. Additionally, in that uh, friendship registry pad, you'll find prayer cards. If there's a joy or a concern in your life right now that you'd like the pastors and the leadership of this church to pray for, those uh, prayer cards can be filled out and put in the offering plate as that comes around later in the service. There's a lot going on this week, and we want to make sure that you are aware of some of the exciting things that are happening. So Thursday morning is our final book club gathering, and Sarah Johnson will be leading a conversation on the amazing book, Behold the Dreamers. So if you haven't had a chance to read it, it's a quick read, and it's really, really beautiful and rich. So pick up the book. It's not too late, and join us Thursday morning at 7 a.m. in the Youth House for that conversation. Additionally, this Thursday evening, we're going to have an off-site event called Beer and Hymns. It's going to be a ton of fun. This is open to anyone 21 or older, and uh, we're going to be singing hymns and drinking beer at the Ginger Man in Uptown. So please join us for that. It's going to be so much fun, and we hope you'll be there. And finally, next Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m., the Reverend Sarah R. is going to be installed as the Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults here in the Sanctuary. So Please uh, know that all are welcome at that service. It's going to be a really beautiful occasion to celebrate Sarah and all of her gifts. Friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and worship God.
join me in the call to worship, Storytelling God. We come to this place to hear the stories of our faith. In our worship, bring the words of our ancestors to life and help us to enter these stories of Storytelling God, we recognize your presence in the stories of our lives. In our worship, remind us that you call us by name. Telling God, you are still writing a story of love. In our worship, prepare us to tell your story to the world. Let us worship God. Amen.
confident in God's grace, let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Steadfast God, you are persistent, continuously acting with grace and justice to redeem this world. You lack the same persistence. Hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. you may be seated and as you are I want to invite the children to come forward with their backpacks and y'all I want to invite you to come sit on the steps today I want our children to sit on the steps today Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Who is excited about returning to school? Yes, I love that. I don't see every hand up, but I bet in your heart you want to put your hand up, but it's holding your backpack. That's probably what's going on. Well, I have been looking forward to this day. I want to say I'm Pastor Mark, for those of you that I've not yet had a chance to meet. And Miss Ann and I are so pleased to be sharing a little bit of time with you this morning here in worship as we bless your backpacks and as we send you with a blessing from your church and a blessing from God as you start the school year. 
But before we do that, I just want to comment about what Pastor Sarah is going to preach on this morning. She's going to tell us a familiar story about how we are to be salt and light. What is salt? What is salt? You know? What do we have over here? What is salt? What is it? Grind it into drinks? Okay. <laughs> Okay, so let me say, wow, this is a little early in the children's time for me to have lost control, and I have, you know what, you know Pastor Matthew, Pastor Matthew said he lost control of the, of the children's sermon when he did it last pretty quickly, I think I have him beat, I think I have him beat, okay, so. Let, okay, so we can put salt on food. It makes it taste spicy. It makes it taste, we say salty, and my English teacher would tell me, and you too, not to define a word with a word. It's kind of hard to say what salt is. It's a spice, and it makes our food taste yummy. And what do we mean by being light? Do you have an idea of what we mean by, who has a flashlight? Does anybody have a flashlight? And what does a flashlight do for us? helps us see the way. That is exactly right. And do you know, you were about to say that, well, you're on the same page. You guys have the same idea, and that's wonderful. And it lets you see in the dark. And do you know, sometimes our world feels kind of dark. And so we need light to show us the way. And we say that Jesus is the light that shows us the way. And so, as you get ready to go to school this year, we want you to be reminded that we are all called, you are called, you are asked by God to be salt and light, to show people the way of Jesus. That's a big idea, but we can do that by being loving and caring to our friends, right? We can be that by following our direct, the teacher's directions, and when we're in line to stay in line, you know all of these things. These are the kinds of things that we can do and that you can do at your age to be salt and light. And so today we want to say we know that it's going to be a kind of a challenge to start a new year, even if it's fun, making new friends, meeting new teachers. And Miss Ann and I want to help you remember that you are salt and light and that you are going with Jesus. God is with us all the time. That's what we believe, and God is going to be with us uh, even as we start a new school year. And so we have a couple things for you this morning. So after we pray, you can each get a backpack tag and one of these cool stickers. So you can put the backpack tag on your backpacks, on your lunch boxes, and then the stickers can go on your folders or whatever else you want to stick it to. And it is to remind you that you are the salt and light and that Jesus is always with you. And all these people, look around you for a minute. All of these people out here and behind you, the whole choir, they are always praying for you and with you. And we want you to remember that as you start back to school. So let us pray this morning. And I want you to just put on your listening ears today and your prayer hands today. I want you to just listen. We're not going to repeat after me, okay? So we're not going to repeat. I want you to just listen to God's blessing on you for the school year. God of wisdom, 
We give you thanks for schools and classrooms and for teachers and students who fill them each day. We thank you for this new beginning, for new books and ideas. We thank you for sharpened pencils, pointy crayons, crisp pages waiting to be filled. We thank you for the gift of making mistakes and trying again. Today we give you thanks for these, your children, and we ask you to bless them with curiosity and understanding and respect. May their backpacks be a sign to them that they have everything that they need to learn and grow this year in school and in Sunday school. May they be guided by your love. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, who as a child in the temple, showed his longing to learn about you, and as an adult, taught by story and example, your great love for us. And we all said, Amen. All right, here we go. That is a children's time I will not soon forget. <laughs> Friends, if you will join me in prayer, let us pray together. Living Spirit, through this scripture, open our eyes to see the world with love and compassion. Open our ears to hear a word of hope and encouragement. Open our minds to be challenged and compelled to act. Open our hearts to respond with thanksgiving. Spirit, move through this scripture that we might be opened to new life. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. 
What a joy it is to be with you this morning and to be in the pulpit. It is always a particular joy on the blessing of the backpacks to see the gift of our young people in our midst as they receive God's blessing and a tag to go with them for the year that they would know that God is always with them, not only in the walls of this church building, but as they venture out into a new school year. And as Mark said, I don't think many of us will long forget that they um, fully understand the uses of salt, uh, particularly for a good margarita. This morning, we do continue our summer sermon series, summer mixtape, in which we have been exploring familiar and less than familiar stories from the Bible so that we might come to understand and know God's story in our own lives in new ways. Today, we are going to explore a passage from Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a passage that appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and is often quoted for its familiar images of salt and light. And we are going to take a look at it this morning to see what it has to offer us as a community of faith. Listen now for God's word. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day. We give you thanks for the opportunity to gather as your people in worship. That we might hear your word, but also that we might hear your word and be sent out in your service. So in the moments ahead, silence within us any voice but your own. Speak to us and allow us to hear. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. In between my junior and senior years of college, my parents sent me to see a career counselor. I had dropped my pre-med major and cycled through the English, political science, history, philosophy, art theory, and psychology departments. I was one year from graduating and no closer to declaring a major, and most importantly in my parents' mind, finding a job. I wanted to find that thing that I was meant to do with my life. My parents thought that paying the bills was a good place to start. And so after six weeks of career counseling, personality inventories, and soul searching, I walked into the kitchen of the home in which I grew up and told them that I felt God was calling me to be a Presbyterian minister. After a few moments of silence, my dad said, I'd like my money back. <laughs> he was all for thinking outside of the box, but he was hoping that meant a business degree with a minor in Spanish. 
Truth is, you don't have to be called to professional ministry to ask questions of meaning and purpose. Any good psychologist will tell you that we all need four things to thrive. Belonging, self-esteem, the ability to shape and change our own circumstances, and meaningful existence. Whether you are a full-time parent who are raising children in a messy and chaotic world, whether you work in an office or in a doctor's office as a student, heading back to your first days of school joyfully or reluctantly, whether you are retired or volunteer in the community, we all need to know that our lives matter. And the church says that they do. In fact, the Reformed tradition says that we are all called to the ministry. A minister's ordination does not signify a separate calling, but in fact, a different function. That is different tasks and responsibilities. Our robes and stoles don't confer hierarchies of holiness with us up here and you down there. Most elders and deacons, several of whom will be ordained and installed today, are dismayed to learn that their ordination vows are virtually identical to those of ordained clergy, something we often fail to mention until after they have said yes. So if you see anyone leaving during the offering, you'll know they just found out. But in the Reformed tradition, everyone is considered a minister. Everyone is considered a priest. A person gifted and equipped to serve God in a particular and important fashion. And that is exactly what Jesus is getting at in our scripture passage this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. It's part of Jesus' famous teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. This teaching on salt and light is a bridge between the Beatitudes and Jesus' ethical teachings. It's also helpful to know that by the time that Matthew's gospel is written down, Christian believers in Matthew's congregation find themselves living in a time of great theological and social tension. Now, I'm sure there's never been another time like that. But it, but it happened once in this first century community. And so some of the members of Matthew's congregation thought that they should turn inward and keep to themselves, stick to the spiritual truth. Others in the community thought that it would be a better idea to go on the offensive, boldly living the ethical demands of Jesus, letting the Roman Empire know what's up. And so in the midst of a heated debate, Concerning the political and religious course that Israel was to steer, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So, what did Jesus mean by that? Salt and light really are odd descriptions, don't you think? For starters, neither of those things are rare. They are valuable to be sure, but not rare. These days you can find a salt shaker on just about any kitchen or restaurant table. This wasn't always the case for salt. 
Salt in particular has served as a valuable commodity throughout time. In the ancient world, salt was prized as a preservative, a currency, and a flavoring. In fact, human history has long been shaped in crucial ways by salt, from trade routes to government monop monopolies. Everyday vocabulary even has traces of salt's long-standing influence. The word salary, for example, derives from a Latin term for a soldier's allowance for the purchase of salt. Light, too, is common, but also valuable. Light enables us to see things. It's the kind of energy that gives color, that helps vegetation grow, that provides solar power for electricity. Without it, we would be sorely limited to what we could accomplish in a day. Some of you might be delighted to know that in full irony, my electricity went out while working on this sermon. <laughs> no joke. Construction in my neighborhood busted the power grid, and so trying to write a sermon in the dark without air conditioning or internet and the slow beep of the fire alarm brings a new meaning to the phrase, by grace through faith. <laughs> both salt and light are ordinary elements, but both are indispensable to the world around them. And so perhaps that is one reason that Jesus uses those images ordinary, everyday things through which the extraordinary promises of God are at work. After all, did you notice that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Not someone else, not the person sitting too down from you in the pew, but you. <coughs> Jesus also doesn't say you will be the salt of the earth or you should be the salt of the earth. He says you are the salt of the earth. Already. Right now. When we live as God intends, we acknowledge that while our lives are ordinary, they are also commissioned by God for extraordinary purposes. God has given each of us gifts through which God can work through us. It's the embodiment of what Martin Luther meant when he spoke of the priesthood of all believers. Each one of us is a minister, a priest, called to serve in our own way. We are all doing the work of God in the world wherever our calling has taken us. This is vitally important. Your true calling is to connect your faith with your participation in the world. As a homemaker, a banker, a physician, an attorney, a teacher, a fireman, a student, there is no divide between sanctuary and shop, no divorce between worship and workplace. There are not two classes of Christians, the ordained and everybody else. God has given each of us a gift, and each gift is of equal importance. Part of the task of the Christian faith is to figure out what we are gifted at and how God can work through us no matter who we are or how we spend our days. Begs a follow-up question, doesn't it? How do you know what your assignment 
is. A career counselor is certainly an option if you're discerning your work vocation, although as my parents learned, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Hollywood often portrays finding your calling as a voice that comes in the night. That voice often sounds a lot like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> but my experience is that that rarely, if ever, happens. It hasn't happened to me, and it hasn't happened to anybody that I know. For most of us, figuring out where and how God is calling us to use our gifts takes time and discernment. It takes listening to our own inner life and also to those around us. I also believe that discerning our call can change, that perhaps we don't have one calling but many. God uses us in different ways in different seasons. But the starting point is always to figure out what our gift is. In his book, Let Your Life Speak, theologian Parker Palmer describes it this way. He says, finding your gift is wherever your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Palmer's description always makes me think of the 1981 British film, Chariots of Fire. It's probably one of the most famous running films of all time. The movie's protagonist, Eric Liddell, is a Scottish Olympic hopeful, and he's trying to discern God's call for his life, a call between the opportunity to be a Christian missionary and his love for competitive running to which he also feels called. In an argument with his sister on the subject, he says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but God has also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Every one of us is a minister, a priest, called to serve through our gifts in our own way. And the first place to start is to find out what your gift is. Now, if you're getting a little bit worried that you don't know, it's also helpful to remember that both with salt and with light, a little bit goes a long way. I have a friend whose doctor has ordered him to cut back on his sodium intake with a salt-free diet. I made the mistake the other day of asking him how it was going. <laughs> As you might suspect, not well. No salt, no taste. What a difference just a few grains of salt can make. Light, too, is fragile, but even in small quantities, it can make quite an impact. You've experienced this if you have ever been out in the church parking lot after a meeting trying to find your keys in the dark. Just a little bit of light from your cell phone can make all the difference between going home and spending the night at the church. <laughs> and the darker the darkness, the less light you need to show the way. Which is to say, by the grace of God, just a little bit of kindness, generosity, courage, compassion, by a few of God's people goes a long way toward the salvation of the world. It's also true that neither salt nor light exist for their own sake. Their value is both found in their usefulness. As we learned today from the children, salt is one of the few things that can enhance the flavor of other things, 
added in just the right time, in the right way, in the right amount, it enlivens the flavors of the other meal. Pepper can only make things more peppery. But salt makes other flavors, other people, themselves only more so. Similarly with a light, a hillside city may guide a traveler along the way or usher someone into safe harbor. An oil lamp can illuminate a whole house, making a whole host of other activities, including writing a sermon possible. It would be both dangerous and absurd to put a lamp under a basket, rendering it invisible. And so when we find our gift to use in service to God and to the world, it is to be used to bring God glory, not us. Theologian Thomas Aquinas, speaking to his congregation, reminded them that our light is always reflected light. We are more like the moon than the sun. Jesus is the sun, the source of our light, and we are reflections of that light. And so we shine God's love in the world. We bring out the richness of other people the larger communities of which we are a part. In her book, Come Sing, Jimmy Joe, Catherine Patterson tells the story of a boy whose family are rising country music stars. And Jimmy Joe, one of the brothers, is a good singer. In fact, he's the best singer in the family. But Jimmy Joe hates to sing in public. And one day, his grandmother, sensing his unhappiness and his struggle with his gift, pulls him aside for a pep talk. And she says, Jimmy Joe, God don't give no private presents. God don't give no private presents. Our gifts are always to be used to shine God's love, God's glory in the world for the betterment of the whole community. Not just this community, but the whole community of Dallas. As I thought about my calling and God's calling for each one of you and our life together, I thought of so many of you being salt and light in the world in which you are a part. I also couldn't help but think of my friend Carl Webb. At 99, Carl has been living out his call to be salt and light by making birthday phone calls to members of his 2,000-member congregation for the last 18 years. By his estimate, Carl has joyfully sung happy birthday 36,000 times. Professionally, Carl is a real estate agent. But the gift that God gave him was a gift for singing that brought him joy. And so Carl sang in the church choir, but also in local companies and choirs and barbershop quartets. But in 1998, Carl found out that he had a vision problem. And quickly, he was no longer able to see the music. So he had to give up singing in the choir. And he thought that was the end of his gift. Until one day, Carl walked past that whiteboard in the church office that listed the names of those in the congregation who had an upcoming birthday. And he thought, huh, I could do something about that. And so to this day, with his nose almost touching the birthday list as he reads the name and telephone number, 
and then moves to the phone. Getting as close as possible to the numbers on the dial, he dials slowly. Sometimes he has to redial because he got the wrong number. When he finally reaches the person, or most often their voicemail, he belts out a rousing tune of happy birthday in a still, strong tenor voice. And he ends the call by saying, I'm your Christian brother, and I love you. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So be light where there is no light, in dark places. Bring out the true flavor of what it means to be truly alive. Be life givers for others. Love each other. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Friends, if we are to be the church in which God calls us, it is our task to find our gift and to let God shine through us for all the world to see. All thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise in body or in spirit and affirm what we believe. By faith, we receive grace to live holy lives in awe and reverence for God. For we receive what the gospel promises when God gives us the Holy Spirit. Faith does not cool our desire for good and holy living, but rather engenders and excites it in us, leading naturally to good works. You may be seated. As we move into a time of prayer in this community, I would remind you that outside of the north transept doors, you can sign care letters under the windowsill for members in our community who are experiencing both joys and concerns, and let your signature be a prayer to those folks today. There are some additional things I'd like to lift up as we move into prayer. Uh, we need to remember in our prayers today David and Miranda Lind, who continue to grieve the death of her mother, Toy Yi whose service will be held this Thursday, August 23rd at 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary. Also, we need to remember Don Fulrich and his family. Don's mother died yesterday morning. Please also keep in your prayers two members who are in the hospital right now, Charles Suet and Jim Walther, both of whom are at Presby, Dallas. Let us pray together. God of new beginnings, you have been at work in the world, doing new things in our lives and in our midst, and inspiring us to create alongside of you. For your gift of imagination, faith, and vision, we give you thanks. God, as we ease into busier routines, school, meetings, longer hours, continue to give us glimpses of Sabbath, of the rest that comes both with being still and with spontaneous play. Even as new beginnings bring excitement, God, we are mindful that many are experiencing the harshness of beginning again. We pray especially for those who mourn loved ones, 
those who wrestle with depression and anxiety, those in need of healing of any kind, and those who are looking for a place to call home. God, send your sunshine through the clouds of life. We pray also for those who are fleeing violence, for those who are recovering and rebuilding after fires and floods. We pray for those who daily face discrimination and for all people who are caught in the oppressive systems of the world. God, send your rainbow as a promise of hope in the midst of struggle. And God, we pray this day for all of us who are in transition, who are walking through a threshold, who are starting something new or preparing to say goodbye. God, send your dove before us in these liminal spaces to bless what comes next. We know that even in the midst of deepest heartbreak, of harshest loss, of the most difficult transitions, you make all things new. So make this world new again. And now let us lift our voices in prayer together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Sarah has reminded us that every day we're to use our gifts to share the infectious love of our God throughout the world. This month's Every Dollar Counts, all dollar bills or dollar coins, is going to Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services, which was started in 1908 here in Dallas by a small group of Presbyterians who saw a need and responded in kind. And now that ministry spans three states and over 30 locations. Your EDC offering this morning will be going to special care packages for recent graduates of the foster care program at Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. Your offering is a sign of your encouragement and love, symbols of care from a generous and gracious God. So it is with that in mind, I invite you to joyously give unto God that which you have already received.
God of abundant blessings, we offer our hearts to you. In our giving, tune our hearts to sing your grace. We are grateful for all that you have given us, and so we humbly ask that you guide us in using these gifts to make this world a more beautiful place. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite forward all those who are being ordained and installed as ruling elders and deacons. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Each of us has been given gifts through which God uses for God's purposes. And so each of you have been given a gift of the Spirit for the common good. All of us are called as ministers of the gospel and servants of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some within the church are called to the particular service as deacons, ruling and teaching elders. And so ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his ministry continues among us providing care and compassion in the world, order and governance in the church, and the preaching and teaching of the word and the administrating of the sacraments. Representing the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, the session of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church now ordain and install Joy Apple and Bertie Armstrong to the office of deacon. We also ordain and install Rob Fix Kathy Lett to the office of ruling elder, and we install Sandy Brown as ruling elder for the church. Friends, we are delighted that you have said yes to this calling that we share in our common life together. And so I will now ask you to affirm the questions required by our denomination, the Presbyterian Church USA. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all, and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you, do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church? as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do, and will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity? And will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? To the deacons, I ask you this question. 
Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need? In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ, will you? And to our ruling elders, will you be a faithful ruling elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ, will you? Do we, the members of the church, accept those elected as deacons and ruling elders chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ, do we? We do. Do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? Do, do we? We do. At this time, I would invite all ordained deacons, ruling elders, and ministers of word and sacrament to please, please come forward to the chancel for the laying on of hands as we ordain these officers. Friends, let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for your calling for faithfulness in our new leaders, their gifts which have been given to serve you. And so pour out your Holy Spirit on these new deacons and elders. They might be salt and light, faithful leaders in the church and in the community. Give them wisdom and courage to order the life of the church in obedience to your word. Nourish them in the life of the Holy Spirit that they may exercise their ministries with discipline, with humility, and with compassion. Guide them that they might be servant leaders following Christ. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for the work of ministry. God, we pray also for this congregation, for this community of faith, that we too are salt and light, that we may be obedient to the Spirit, to your leading in all things, and thus be servants of the gospel wherever you have placed us, in the law office, in our schools, as students, as volunteers, and in all things offer a compelling witness to the world, of your good news. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our friends in the center, you are now deacons and ruling elders in the Church of Jesus Christ and for this congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life may bear witness to the gospel.
Amen. Amen. Let these words from Scripture be your charge. This is from Ephesians. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would, some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Deacons and ruling elders, we thank God for your gifts and for your call to the ministry of this church. Please now, as you're able, stand and sing. Join us in singing hymn 688, Spirit of God, Descend Upon My Heart, verses 1 and 5. each of you has a gift, a gift from God to be used wherever God has placed you, that the world might know of God's good news. So as you go forth from this place, go out with compassion and justice in your hearts. Give voice to the silent, give strength to the weak. Hear one another, see one another, love one another. It's all that easy, and it's all that hard. And may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit go with you this day and always. Amen. Amen. 